Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is episode 64 of the Undisputed Future Podcast. That's right, 64, like Nintendo. I am CD, Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion, battling a little bit of a case of the sniffles right now. I'm going to be totally upfront with you guys. It is Friday, just a little bit after noon. I waited a little while to record this episode because if you're keeping up with what's going on in the NXT world, you know of the injury to now former NXT champion, Aleister Black. Aleister Black suffering an unfortunate groin injury that does require surgery at the Las Vegas NXT live event. Dedicated Team NXT member Brett Perry at Sin City Brett was fortunate enough to be at that event. After I read the article, I did reach out to him. Brett, thank you for getting back to me so timely. And uh, he said it didn't look different and Black did end up finishing the match. But a groin injury, especially for somebody whose arsenal is very heavily based on their lower body and in their legs, it's it's got to be touch and go. You got to really wean your way back into heavy competition when dealing with an injury like this. I've hurt myself a couple times throughout my martial arts career with very similar injuries, attempting kicks I probably shouldn't have been attempting, but I digress from that. Aleister Black unfortunately suffering this injury, but kayfabe-wise, he will be out of the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 NXT Championship match. I will be covering this episode as if everything was all normal, but I'm going to be covering the the injury angle they seem to be playing with Alistair at the, uh, at the end of this episode. But let's jump into some women's action, not just the Mae Young Classic 2 hype. I've been reading all sorts of exciting things from it. My good buddy Nick over at Who Got Next, fortunate enough to be live at the Mae Young Classic tournament. So Nick, I wish you safe travels back to New York if you, uh, if you happen to be listening to this. Mae Young Classic 2, approving all of women's wrestling from all over the globe Got to tell you, you know, if you've listened to me before, I have a list of favorites to win this thing that's about a mile long, so I can only imagine what kind of matches they are willing to bring. Somebody who did lay it out on the line is Nixon Newell, now known as Tegan Knox, Team Fly Kicks, with Dakota Kai suffering a debilitating leg injury. I have not seen any of the footage I just, I I can't believe something like this happens. It's really, it's a reminder with a vicious leg injury that you can't call pro wrestling fake. You could call it choreographed expertly. You could call it staged. You could call it predetermined outcomes, but do not take the physical toll that these men and women do on their bodies lightly in any sense. So Tegan Knox, I wish the speediest of recoveries, but jumping into the NXT television episode for August 8th, 2018, also kicked off with some women's action. The, as far as I know, debuting on NXT television, Amber Nova would go one-on-one with Sanity's psychotic sister, Nikki Cross. Now, I'll jump back into how much I believe Nikki Cross should be on SmackDown right now, how she is the catalyst for Sanity, how she embraces the gimmick even to this day. Nikki Cross is the most talented female worker we have in all of WWE right now. That's, of course, not taking into account anybody 
that may be signed from the Mae Young Classic too, but as of this moment, Nikki Cross is, in my eyes, and even former founding member of Sanity's eyes, Sawyer Fulton, the best female wrestler in the company. But I do want to discuss Amber Nova a little bit, because despite despite the fact that she was sent out here to take this beating from Nikki Cross, Amber Nova did look impressive. The way she moved around the ring, it's a big opportunity for her. She's a big car fanatic, according to commentary, which really resonates with me. She looks like a pop-punk kid, which also resonates to me. Kind of gives me a female Mark Andrews sort of vibe, and I'm all about that. He's probably my favorite competitor in the NXT UK division at this very moment. Amber Nova looking good. Size advantage on Nikki Cross and some unique turnbuckle offense would also be displayed in this matchup. But Nikki Cross, what can you say about Nikki Cross? Nikki Cross just deals it right back. She absorbs all the punishment that can be taken to her in a matchup and just delivers back with a flurry of assault, flurry of offense, and of course, ending things on the purge. The fisherman's swinging neckbreaker would seal the victory for Nikki Cross. Cross getting a couple more wins under her belt. Commentary mentioned that she's still in the crosshairs to achieve that NXT women's title. And I'd be more than happy with a Nikki Cross Women's Championship reign, but I really want to see her up on SmackDown with her boys, Insanity, her brothers in arms, Alexander Wolfe, Killian Dane, and of course the mastermind, Eric Young. So Nikki Cross able to rack up a couple wins on NXT to prove her legitimacy before moving up to SmackDown. I really hope that's where it's going and we could see her sooner rather than later. Probably and hopefully in my eyes for the post-SummerSlam class of call-ups, but you never know what NXT could have in store for a phenomenal talent like Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross sealing another victory over Amber Nova with the purge and what's next for her future? Give me your thoughts. Where do you want to see Nikki Cross at this time, I'd say about maybe two weeks from now? Do we see Nikki Cross debut on SmackDown Live? Is she suspiciously missing from the SmackDown after SummerSlam? Could we see her possibly a little bit later on? Be sure to reach out to me with your thoughts on this one. Women's action all over the place between the Mae Young Classic 2 and speculation on where Nikki Cross will end up over the next month or so. While it may be all speculation and what-ifs in the women's division for NXT right now, one thing we do know for sure... The one and only Ricochet has his eyes set on the North American Championship and Adam Cole. Ricochet scheduled to have a match on this edition of NXT, but the entrance hit, that blue light shines down, and we don't see Ricochet posing. We see Undisputed Era standing over the debilitated body of Ricochet. Undisputed Era jumping Ricochet, presumably four-on-one, but we don't know what kind of physical ability Bobby Fish may have right now, so he could just be the hype man between behind this assault while KOR, Roderick Strong, and Adam Cole dish out all of the redemption. I'm not entirely sure, but it looked like one hell of a beatdown. Adam Cole would go on to later say he is the champ, he is the one and only inaugural North American Championship, and he vows to mangle Ricochet in Brooklyn and will undisputedly 
remain our North American champion. This match, this match is really the first singles opportunity for the North American championship on a takeover event. There's a lot of stakes behind that title. If we're trying to prove the ground that the North American championship can be the equivalent to an intercontinental title and the importance of the lineage of future NXT champions, this match really has to stand out. We have two of the best talents in NXT proving their ground and how much that championship is worth. I have high hopes for this matchup. I'm not going to go ahead and name a match of the weekend yet, but like Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream, I really feel like this match with Ricochet taking on Adam Cole for that North American Championship has the potential to be match of SummerSlam weekend. So Undisputed Era jumping Ricochet four on one, maybe three and a half on one. We don't know what opponent Ricochet possibly had in mind. I was really looking forward to a possible Ricochet versus Fabian Eichner one-on-one matchup. I would love to see those two guys tear it up and uh, the high-flying ability and strength on both sides of the turnbuckles in that one would uh, would definitely stand out to me. I'm hoping Ricochet is in stable enough condition to be able to c- compete next week, really get some momentum building towards Brooklyn 4, and uh, probably getting a makeup match of some sort. But I'm guessing that uh, this next matchup I'm about, I'm about to discuss, if anybody remembers the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view with the ambulance truck assaults Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman segment where uh, Kurt Hawkins and Heath Slater just kind of ran out and had a one-on-one matchup to fill the schedule and in a moment of panic. I kind of feel like that's what this next match was placed to do. Adrian Jode taking on Cassius Ono. I'm not exactly great in my Portuguese pronunciations, uh, Brazilian, in case anybody didn't know that Brazilians do speak Portuguese, a little geography lesson here on the UFP as well. So Adrian versus Cassius, kind of a fill-in matchup as I, I mean, as I see it, the way I see it is uh, Tynera Conti, her, her brother in arms, I guess. I, I'm tired of that overused expression myself here, but uh, Tynera Conti, Adrian Jode, and Cesar Banani are a part of a triplet faction on the NXT live circuit right now of Enwa, and uh, they're all real black belts. I'm not exactly sure what discipline of martial arts Cesar has studied, but Adrian Jode is a, uh, I'm going to pronounce his name differently each time I say it, I, I have a feeling on this episode, but Jode is a three martial art black belt. He's got jiu-jitsu, he's a fellow judoka with Tainara Conti, and he's also a studier of Hapkido, a martial art that uh, that really has taken my interests over the past number of years as well. So Adrian Jode, an accomplished athlete as well as a black belt. A little bit of captivating capoeira to start off the match by Adrian. But Cassius Ono, not impressed. Cassius Ono, obviously more impressed with the strike-heavy martial arts. Capoeira is kind of more of a fluid motion sort of almost like a dance. It was, uh, the roots of Capoeira are super interesting if you get a chance to look that up at any point, Team NXT. It's, it's a really fascinating martial art developed by slaves as kind of a covert martial art that, uh, that nobody would, nobody would think secondly of what they were doing. 
They would disguise their strikes behind dance moves. Really, really fascinating stuff. But let's jump back into professional wrestling before I sidetrack into an MMA segment. Cassius Ono, unimpressed by the offense of Adrian and a strike-heavy Cassius, was all business, especially with the boots to the face. Cassius Ono, we've seen a new serious demeanor take over him the past number of weeks. He's tired of the lost column. He's looking to rack up wins. He's a veteran in the professional wrestling business, and he's come back out in the NXT circuit to really mark that claim. Cassius is a veteran. It's not his first rodeo in NXT. The guy would like to see more success, and if you're anything like a fan like me, you want to see big things for a big man of Cassius Ono's talent. And Jode would get jaw-jacked by a dream-crushing elbow. The rolling elbow, I guess it has a finalized commentary deemed name of the Dream Crusher. Now all I want to do is see Cassius Ono take on Velveteen Dream one more time. That segment kind of writes itself. Cassius Ono is fed up. It's all over his face. From his entrance in this match to the ending of this match, you could tell that big things are in Cassius Ono's future. What could that possibly be? My future co-host, Mr. Warren Hayes, pointed out that a undisputed era enforcer position could possibly be in Cassius's future. Uh, go ahead and check out at Mr. Warren Hayes for more detail on that. It is certainly something I can get behind. Although the faction is a little bit crowded, I'd say if all of this was happening before the initiation of Roderick Strong into the faction... I could definitely see a bigger case being made for it there, but it definitely isn't I isn't an idea I hate. I don't really remember the last time we had a monster faction of over four people in the WWE. If anybody wants to refresh my memory on that, please reach out to me. But Cassius Ono, being the big guy with the serious new demeanor and this vicious new attitude, I could definitely see him having a heel turn of sorts, just bulldozing through the smaller competition in NXT before linking up with the Undisputed Era, I could see it going either way. Cassius Ono can go into business for himself, or he could enforce anything that the Undisputed Era might want to accomplish. And it is another victory for the accomplished professional wrestling veteran, Cassius Ono. This next segment, Team NXT... If you weren't excited for the announcement of EC3 versus the Velveteen Dream, you should be now. Check out this segment. I went out of my way to watch it twice. I I saw it was ending. I rewound the episode of NXT, and I went ahead and watched it again. The camera lighting, the ambiance, the atmosphere, all the good things that Velveteen Dream craves really stood out in this, in this segment here. They were hanging out poolside. Velveteen Dream and EC3 both sit down and then would quickly change the subject to want to go take a walk, take a little bit of a stroll around the Velveteen Dream's premises. EC3 probably selling this match way better than I could. The one and only, not the one and only, the one versus the top 1%. I'm still in the ricochet mindset. The one versus the top 1%. The Dream versus the BDE of NXT. EC3 versus Velveteen Dream. A unique experience delivered, indeed. Everything about this stood out. Everything. 
I've never seen a promo shot like this. I've never seen a camera lighting effect outside of maybe a Snapchat filter. But for real, it was pretty civil for the most part. It was very, very intellectually debated. It was a war of words that was certainly captivating to me. And it even got to end on a little bit of a comedy note. Dream would drop his sunglasses. EC3 would try and be a gentleman and uh, give give his sunglasses back to his opponent. You don't see that kind of sportsmanship out of EC3 too commonly. But as he was doing this, Dream would attempt to push him into his own pool. But joke would be on Velveteen Dream. EC3 with a with an attitude era Death Valley driver sort of dunk into the pool for Velveteen Dream. EC3 would get the last word and the last laugh in this segment. But who's going to get the real last word? Who's going to get the real last laugh? We'll find out at TakeOver Brooklyn 4, EC3 versus Velveteen Dream. This confrontation links back to the UK Tournament Showcase tag team match between Velveteen Dream and EC3 when Dream would decide to walk out on EC3. But from EC3 and the Dream, we go to a very very high-profile debut, the limitless Keith Lee would have a match with Marcel Barthel. Marcel Barthel, a NXT live circuit talent from Germany, making a recent television appearance. I had not seen Marcel in quite some time before this match. Marcel really standing out to me as kind of a I might be dating myself with this reference here, Team NXT, but anybody else remember Alex Wright, also known as Berlin in WCW? That's the kind of vibe that Marcel is giving me. The really straight-laced, no-nonsense German character really fits him too, from the jacket to the the facial expressions to even the hard-hitting offense really shows that Marcel is all business, a very serious and technical competitor. But I'm not here to really talk about Marcel as much as I was impressed with him in this matchup. It's all about Keith Lee, the former Texas A&M lineman. And judging by the size and speed of this guy, I am not surprised in the slightest that this man might have gone on with a Texas college scholarship. An independent star, a charismatic colossus, exchanging nines back and forth means German for no. Yeah, I might know a little bit of that too. Actually, okay, that's that's probably the only words I know. I know Nein and Ja and uh, Du Hast, if anybody else listens to Rammstein out there. But let's drift back into this matchup. Keith Lee with size-defying offense. The guy is way quicker than you expect him to be. As much as Barthel was a sizable opponent for Keith Lee's debut, Keith Lee would prove that he had the speed advantage throughout this matchup. And... The power as well. A Death Valley driver attitude adjustment sort of setup. Samoan drop sort of setup would take liftoff of Barcel. Of Barcel. I just combined the first and last name. Of Marcel being tossed up and over into a jackhammer type of position would seal the win for Keith Lee. And Keith Lee, I can only imagine the type of rivalries he can have in NXT. I would have loved to see him take on Killian Dane, probably as much as I was talking about Lars Sullivan versus Killian Dane, but Killian Dane, unfortunately, not an option at this time. I would love to see him take on Lars. 
Way further down the line, I think he's a very worthy opponent for Samoa Joe as well. But right now, I do want to see him lock it up with Lars because I can't have him lock it up with Killian Dane. I know the War Raiders don't do many singles matches, but he has a very similar movement style to good old Harry Hansen. So I wouldn't mind seeing him lock up with either one of those Viking Marauders either. Marauder, I barely know her. Anyway, if you could get past that joke and continue on with the show, Keith Lee, successful in his debut, and the potential for him is limitless. Kind of an unintentional mentioning of NXT Tag Team Division here, but I guess it's kind of a good segue to talk about my boys in the Street Profits. Street Profits getting a special edition of Street Talk with a Street Profits customized ATM machine in the background. I thought that ambiance and atmosphere was also very creative and well done. Street Talk this week would be addressing the mighty. The last edition of Street Talk on the Snapchat we saw was a montage video of the guys working out real hard, trying to get back into competition shape, and the last time we saw Street Profits live in full sale was costing the mighty their match against heavy machinery. Payback is a Well, you guys know the rest out there. Street Profits, also victims of this new attitude by the formerly known as TM61. The Mighty would use their foot-on-the-ropes, dirty, underhanded tactics to secure a win over Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins as well. Sir Street Talk really addressing that this is not going to fly this time. They challenge the Mighty, and we'll see those two teams lock up next week. Back to NXT women's action, though. We see Vanessa Bourne taking on Tynera Conti for a May Young Classic 2 tournament qualifying matchup. We heard from Vanessa Bourne a little bit earlier in the matchup. I wanted to save it for right before this match discussion because Vanessa Bourne would vow victory and to prove that she is the absolute vision of NXT. I mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again. Vanessa Bourne reminds me of anybody listening, uh, checking out Glow on Netflix right now. I see parallels between Vanessa Bourne and Mel Rose. They both got the, they both got the attitude. They both got the emphasize on looks sort of personality behind their characters. I do see the parallels between the two. Vanessa Bourne's attitude and spunkiness is undeniable. So she vowed victory over Tynera Conti, but the real black belt would have other plans. But before I get into the the nitty-gritty of the match, I want to compliment both ladies on their entrances. Vanessa Bourne's entrance really piecing out each and every week. You could tell she's becoming more and more comfortable, not just between the ropes, but working with her character as well. Tynera Conti's entrance, very well choreographed. Down to the absolute T. And if you know me, you know how I feel about the real black belts. I am such a Tynera Conti mark. I marked out for Adrian wearing his obi to the ring. Obi is also another term for belt for any of my non-practicing karateka out there. Tynera Conti would hold her black belt in her hands, hoisting it above her head. And something I've admittedly done myself would send it off with a kiss on her black belt. And as strange as that might have been for some of you out there, it was totally relatable 
to me. So Tainara Conti and Vanessa Bourne just they just got to keep up the good work. They're both headed onward and upward. It's it's great. It's great. Both of their entrance themes absolutely bump. Tainara Conti's theme is fire. But let's jump into the matchup and discuss what went on between the ropes. Vanessa Bourne with a clear power advantage here. But power does not necessarily mean more momentum. Tainara Conti was able to turn around any momentum that Vanessa Bourne would have. Especially towards the end of the matchup. Conti would strike hard. The judo aspect of her would definitely come into play. That's where her black belt is from. She's also a practitioner in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but she is a black belt practicing judoka. There is no denying the talent. If you want to know who else is a black belt and judoka, look no further than Raw Women's Championship number one contender and baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey. So judo throws are no joke. The arts is practiced down to the T. The art was developed by a small martial artist whose name is escaping me right now, but it was developed to turn somebody's momentum and size advantage against them. It's all about working your opponent's balance and finding their weak spots through your own critical thinking in competition or, you know, God forbid, any sort of real-life scenario. Conti would strike hard, Vanessa Bourne would attempt to strike back even harder, and Tynera with a bellowing, Are you crazy? After a vicious slap, and Tynera would counter for the win with a spinning sidewalk slam maneuver, sealing the 1-2-3 and sealing her a spot in the May Young Classic 2 tournament. I thought this was a very good matchup, especially for two developing women in the division. The NXT women's division really needs to pick up steam so my girl Nikki Cross could get called up to SmackDown, and I definitely thought this match was a step in the right direction. After this matchup, we would get a flashback to Baszler and Kyrie Sane. The May Young Classic Tournament 1 rematch will be happening for the NXT Women's Championship at the Barclays Center for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. And two men with their eyes also set on Brooklyn and that NXT Championship. I know I mentioned the injury angle before, but I kind of want to talk about this match like it's a non-issue. Aleister Black versus Johnny Gargano, two of my absolute favorites in all of NXT, going one-on-one, not only tearing my heart as a fan, and I don't know who's... I'm going to end up siding with, in the long run, probably Gargano, based on who is NXT champion right now. But these two men coming out like bats out of hell, colliding at the start of this matchup. It was high-octane offense, it was back and forth, it was presumably even for, uh, for all the time they got to compete against each other, but the competition would be cut short by the now NXT champion, the Psycho Killer, and the scourge of NXT, as Moro Ronaldo refers to him, Tommaso Ciampa. The interruption would dispose of Johnny Gargano and assault Aleister Black. But Black would come back and he would blast everyone. Full Sail was into it. We heard triple threat match chants. And ask and you shall receive more times than not in the NXT universe. William Regal would come out to restore order saying he will not control or prevent this chaos from happening. 
but he will let it unfold in Brooklyn in a triple threat match for the NXT Championship. Aleister Black, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, three of the absolute top talents in my eyes for NXT. Wow, what a championship match this has to contend for. And now, now we gotta wonder. Now we gotta wonder, team, what's gonna happen here? Announced officially is a change in the card, a last man standing affair between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. Officially confirmed, Aleister Black is not in competition shape for TakeOver Brooklyn 4. I assume he's going under the knife for the groin injury and it will not be solved sooner rather than later. And I wish Aleister Black also a speedy recovery. It's a match I really wish we would get the opportunity to see. But these things happen. I mentioned before how much of a risk the professional wrestling business is, not just for Tegan Knox and the leg injury, but also for the men who step between the ropes as well. Anything can happen, even with a simple spot like we may perceive, such as somebody getting crotched over the top rope. Anything can pull, anything can tear. It's it's a dangerous business, guys. We can never forget it. I'm fortunate enough to sit here and talk to you about it, but it would be foolish of me not to emphasize the risk that also comes with this sport. So that sums up the televised, televised coverage of NXT between Wednesday and Thursday. I was able to catch a couple WWE.com exclusive footage. I put off recording this episode in the off chance that there would be more Aleister Black developing news, and there was. After an interview with Johnny Gargano, Johnny Gargano vows that this anger and this this obsession with Tommaso Ciampa has has turned has turned him to a dark side. There's there's no denying it. There's no really looking past it. Johnny Gargano assures us that Johnny Wrestling is dead. He doesn't recognize who he is when he looks in the mirror anymore. He sees this newfound aggression as I guess some sort of evil, but it's not an evil that he can dispose of without getting his hands on that NXT championship and without getting his redemption on his former DIY brother, Tommaso Ciampa. So that Johnny Gargano interview, as captivating and insightful as it was, really interesting leading up to this next footage. We would see footage of Aleister Black being laid out in the parking lot and William Regal and others coming to his aid. A list of suspects a mile long, but I do want to discuss a couple that stand out to me. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, obvious yet not obvious suspects at the same time? Hear me out. As much as Johnny Gargano has been possessed by this evil, yeah, Aleister Black was standing in between him and Ciampa once again, one-on-one. But is Johnny that evil? Is Johnny this possessed by this demon that he would lay out somebody who, who he cost the NXT Championship? Does Johnny have that in him? I know Johnny Wrestling doesn't, but does this new Johnny Gargano have it in him? Who knows what kind of newfound aggression Johnny may have found. Tommaso Ciampa? Yeah, an obvious suspect. Not the first time we've seen him jump Aleister Black backstage. But I don't think he did it. I think Tommaso was way too focused on holding on to that title. 
I think he's way too focused on what he's going to do to Johnny Gargano next to worry about a third man and a third catalyst in this matchup. I don't think it was either one of the NXT champion or Johnny Gargano. Who else could be suspectful? Well, around the time of the attack, we saw we saw the Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era. Three of those four men have history with Aleister Black. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Before joining Undisputed Era, they had their singles match NXT television debuts against the man. Adam Cole. Adam Cole, we know of his history with Aleister Black going back to the Extreme Rules matchup at TakeOver Philadelphia earlier this year. Does Adam Cole still not over that loss? Does he just want to rub more salt in the wounds of Aleister Black and cost him another shot at what was formerly his, that NXT championship? How much of an obsession does the Undisputed Era Era possibly have with Aleister Black? Could it really be over this timeline of this long? Even seeing past what they're trying to do to take out Ricochet? Could they have jumped two superstars in one evening? With the mind of Adam Cole and the aggression and tactfulness of the Undisputed Era... I'm not necessarily ruling them out, but they aren't my top suspect. Cassius Ono. The formerly mentioned Cassius Ono. I know I talked about him earlier on. But Cassius, looking to unleash a little bit more of this new aggression side. Tired of being overlooked for NXT Championship opportunities. The guy just had a singles victory earlier in this NXT episode. Do we really think that It's out of character for him, especially with this new side. Well, he's not one of my top suspects because if you... I've watched about... I've watched two different angles. No, three different angles. One video had had two different angles montaged into one. But I've seen... I've watched a video for this about four or five times each. I saw one with two different vantage points. And of course, I watched the initial one first released... Shortly after NXT television, I believe I saw the Gargano interview approximately at 10.37 and WWE's page said it was posted an hour ago. So let's figure 9.35 and 10.35 were the postings of the Gargano interview and this new footage of Aleister Black. So about 10.30 or so when this all this news came about, the new angles show that Cassius Ono was walking towards Kyrie Sane and Candice LeRae. So he's not really a top suspect, but I wouldn't totally rule out Cassius either. A really aggressive and tired of being overlooked Cassius Ono taking out a former NXT champion. I can't think of a quicker way to jump back into the spotlight for the for the knockout artist. And now my top suspect. The aforementioned and very commonly mentioned on this show, the Leviathan, Lars Sullivan. But CD, we haven't seen Lars in weeks. Lars had a shattered jaw after his NXT Championship match with Aleister Black. He's been out of commission for a number of weeks now. What makes you think it was him? That last angle we saw, we saw a big, big figure, bald head, Red tights, just a t-shirt, possibly coming over the Performance Center parking lot. 
It looked like Lars. Lars Sullivan has a solid case. You take me out of commission for a number of weeks. You shatter my jaw. I'm going to make sure you never get the opportunity to reclaim what is yours. Leviathan Lars does not forget. He will not forget about his history with Aleister Black. He wants to lay out he wants to lay out anybody in his path. And I don't believe he's over that NXT championship match. I think Lars of anybody on the NXT roster is known for his aggression and is known for laying out his opponents. We've seen Lars take out his tag team partners to go around the not laying out his tag team partners after a loss in the ring to drag them outside of full sale. So this wouldn't be Lars's first assault to take place in or around the full sale university parking lot. I think Sullivan still has a chip on his shoulder. I'm marking down Lars Sullivan as my top suspect for this assault. And as much as I am disappointed that I won't be seeing Aleister Black at TakeOver Brooklyn, I am looking forward to getting the opportunity to see Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT title in a one-on-one scenario. It's a match I've wanted to see live and in person since TakeOver Chicago won. So I'm more than happy I get this opportunity. It just really sucks that it's at the cost of a favorite. But it doesn't suck because it gives me a lot more to talk about. It gives me a lot more to speculate and get creative with right here on this show. So please guys, give me your thoughts. Who is your top suspect? Who do you think laid out Aleister Black? Is there anything to my Lars Sullivan theory? I certainly think there is. Give me all of your thoughts as soon as you possibly can. Be sure to reach out to me on the social media at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. It's where you'll find all of my SummerSlam weekend coverage. You'll find it on my other forms of social media as well, but Twitter is where I'm at to live tweet Raw, to live tweet SmackDown. I'm going to be posting a few things. I'll go live on the Periscope once in a while. You'll get to see me walk my dog before NXT sometimes, before Raw sometimes, before SmackDown. I try and go live. I'm trying to work on my video content as much as I possibly can. I notice social media trends. I know where all this stuff is going. We are drifting towards a more video-heavy sort of medium, and I want to definitely dip my toes into that sort of pool. So be sure to follow me on the Twitter at podcast underscore UF. If you want to reach out for more video and picture coverage, be sure to follow the Instagram at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word. You'll see you'll see pictures of me from SummerSlam weekends of the past. I'm gonna be posting a couple throwback pictures. I'm gonna be posting be posting coverage from everything going on SummerSlam weekends. And I'll be plugging those events after I plug my own social media. Be sure to follow me on the Facebook. Make sure you're listening to me on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, CastBox.fm, which I know is popular with Mr. Warren Hayes, so I figured I'd mention that to you guys as well. I'm on a whole bunch of third-party websites. Wherever my RSS feed from SoundCloud could get picked up, I hope you're listening to me on some one of those. All right. Let's talk about some upcoming projects now. Summer Slam-tacular with the Comedians of Wrestling podcast. Dolph Ziggler, Intercontinental Champion. Dan Black, famous for comparing basketball and professional wrestling joke. If you haven't 
bought your tickets yet? What are you waiting for? It's the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn After Party. You never knew you wanted. It's going to be a blast. I'm going to be there. I would be looking forward to meeting each and every single one of you if I possibly could. Be sure to get your tickets. It's at Caveat in New York City on the Lower East Side. Approximately a 28-minute train ride from the Barclays Center. So if you're looking to party, be sure to hit up that event. If you're looking to party beforehand, We Got Next on this. The We Got Next meetup brought to you by the Wrestle Addict Radio and my brothers over at the Rant with Ants podcasting network. I met you guys briefly for a sort of period in Philadelphia. I'm looking forward to talking with you guys even more over a couple of beers. Let's do this thing. Hashtag Summer Rant if you want more information about that. I'll be posting the flyer again over the past couple of weeks. But one thing I need to emphasize about next week's episode here, team, it's episode 65. It's a milestone. If it ends with a 5 or a 0, I like to do something special for it. And this time, it's no exception. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 predictions show. It will be a video content episode. The audio will also be available. And joining me out of Canada, the whole Canucking show. You may know him from his YouTube channel and the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Well, it's it's Mr. Warren Hayes. I'm going to be working with Mr. Warren Hayes, a very insightful, a very witty, a very upstanding professional wrestling fan. He's the reason why I've been able to keep up with the G1 Supercard. He's waking up at 5, 4, 3, 2 a.m., so I don't have to. I read his postings. I look it up. Any video coverage I want to see, I look up in my own time. Thank you, Warren, for doing all this coverage for me, and I absolutely cannot wait to work with you. And I hope you all are looking forward to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn and SummerSlam as much as I am. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 64 of the Undisputed Future Podcast. Whether it's your first time or over 50th time listening to me, I could not thank you enough. I would not be doing this show without your guys' support. I am CD Danny Mac. This has been the Undisputed Future Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I will talk to you next time.